us here this morning. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good summer. It's been a good summer so far. Yours? Yeah, yeah, good. You might as well enjoy it. You don't get that many of them, you know. Let's just start thinking. I, 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 I've had 40 summers, and I'm, I only have 50 more to go, right? So I got to just in, enjoy each and every one of them. And if you have kids, like you get like 18 summers with your kids. Uh, man, just enjoying those, enjoying those moments. Um, uh, as well, uh, for those who are listening online, uh, maybe it's because you're serving in our kids' ministry this morning. We are so grateful that, uh, for the volunteers that we have. So if you're listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot do what we do here without you. Uh, and maybe you just live too far away or you went to the beach today and you're checking in. We're still glad that you're listening in as well. So thank you for that, uh, the benefits of technology. But it's better when you're here. It always is. So um, this morning... Uh, we're kind of like in between some weeks. We're not here next week. I wasn't here last week. And so I just have just some thoughts this morning. That's, it's not a series. It's just kind of one, one simple thing to think about for a little, for a little while, maybe for the rest of the summer. Um, but uh, I want to talk about something that we all have uh, and we all deal with. And I just want you to, um, I want to I give you a bunch of words and you tell me what they describe. Just wait for them all before you answer because last night got a little embarrassing. So, all right. So here, here are the words. Great. Healthy. Draining, toxic, complicated, broken, and awesome. What do those words describe? Everybody's scared. Relationships? Is it relationships? It's relationships. It's something we all have, something we all deal with, and they can be defined and described with many different words. Um, how would you describe yours? That's my question. Do you got relationships that you describe as, man, they're awesome? Me and the wife, man, it's the best it could ever be, and we've only been married for three weeks, you know? Or maybe... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, me and my teen. I don't know. It's complicated at best. How would you describe the relationships in your life? What words would you use? And, and there'd probably be different words for, for different ones. Uh, our relationships bring great joy into our lives when there's a new baby born. It's just amazing. You just see a new baby and you just smile. It's like, they don't do anything, and yet it's, it's exciting. And relationships have the ability to bring incredible pain into our lives. For those who've gone through a failed marriage or your parents uh, separated, how painful that can be as a, as a child or as a, as a spouse, how painful it can be if you have a sick child and you can't do anything for them. It's that relationship that, you know, there's lots of sick children, but it's yours and how much pain that can bring or the loss of a loved one. It's the, the pain of that is the, is the loss of relationship. And so we all have relationships I think if we were honest, we'd all like that um, some of our relationships to be better than they are. We'd like that more of them would be on the awesome side than the toxic side. Uh, and so this morning, I want to just talk about our relationships, and I'd like you to think about your relationships, but not to think about the other person in those relationships. You know, because a lot of times we think about our relationships with people, we think about, you know, oh, that's my parent, or that's my child, that's my boss, that's my coworker, that's that other person from my church, that's God, and there's these different things. And, and sometimes we, we uh, think that our happiness is dependent on the other side. You know, for some, of, for some it's, uh, you've heard the, the statement, you know, happy wife is... Okay, you've heard that. And if, if the boss ain't happy, nobody. nobody's happy, right? So, and those aren't the same thing. Um, but those two, um, those two statements, you know, uh, they, they do kind of let us in onto the way we see life, that, that our happiness sometimes in our relationships, we feel like it's, it's, it's dependent on someone else. And so we want to look at it separately today. So uh, this morning, I want you to do your best not to be thinking about, oh, how could, I have, how could I have a better marriage? And you're just looking over, I'm like, oh man, I hope he's listening. Lord, I pray for him all the time. God, if you would just fix him, this would all be better. 
I don't want to see any nudging like this this morning. You know, uh, it's uh, maybe you're thinking about your teenager and like, oh, I'm so glad they came to church. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, darn, I wish they had come. It'll be online for them to listen to. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. Or maybe you're looking down the road and like, are they sleeping? Are they, are they getting this? You know, I want our relationships to be better. Maybe you just pray, God, I can't do no more. You know, you, you take them from here. I, I, did, I did my best. They're 13. Now it's up to you. I'll pick it up again at 21, right? Uh, whatever, whatever your thought may be. Or maybe you're just thinking about your future spouse and you're like, oh man, I hope Mr. Wright or Miss Wright maybe is in this room and they're going to learn. They're going to be a better spouse because of it. Okay, you know, just don't, don't be thinking about anybody else. This morning, I just want you to uh, take the next few minutes just to think about you. And I hope to do the same, just to simply think about myself for the next uh, few minutes and how this relates to me. Because every relationship that you're in, no matter who it's with, it's only as healthy as the least healthy person in that relationship. It's only as healthy as the least healthy uh, person in the relationship. And sometimes, oftentimes, that's the one in the mirror. The least healthy person. And you know, it's... (laughs) relationships break down all the time. And, you know, if you were a, well, we, we believe that God is for your relationships. We believe that he's for relationship. It's why he sent his son to restore relationship. But the enemy, just as much as there's a God, too often we forget that there's an enemy. There's an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of your life. You know, the devil and his demons, they do exist. They're not more powerful than Christ, but they're going to try and mess with you all the time. And if you're a smart enemy, you go for the person's weakest spot. We used to play Red Rover as kids. Uh, Anybody remember that game? I think it's illegal now. Probably uh, we we may have caused that. Uh, I remember... I remember at, uh, taking a bunch of uh, teens to um, Waterbrook Farm Camp, and we were supposed to help, you know, uh, do some stuff for the little kids. And we thought, hey, Red Rover's a great game. So we just partnered up the teens with the little kids and, and lined them up. And, and first we went teens against little kids, but that was just, you know, not fair at all. So then we, we did it the other way. And I remember I had this kid named Dan Farmer, and he was, a, he was short, but he was stocky. And, and so then uh, as they lined him up, they were like, Red Rover, Red Rover. We called Dan over, and Dan just went for the smallest girl on the other side. He just went like a train right through her and broke her arm in two places. I know, two places. That's why I said it's illegal now. Two places right here. Great strategy. Terrible outcome. But if you're an enemy and you don't care, he's going to try and do the same thing and just go right through you. It doesn't matter what gets broken as long as something gets broken. And in our relationships, we end up living so, so often through that. Our vision and mission as a church is to build a healthy, life-giving church that unchurched people want to become a part of. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, and to build a healthy, life-giving church doesn't mean we're going to have a building here with gluten-free snacks at the back. That's not the healthy, life-giving church. It's made up of healthy, life-giving people. That's your, the church. So healthy, life-giving church is healthy, life-giving people who have healthy, life-giving relationships. And maybe, you know, the, maybe you've tried to change the other side, and maybe that's the problem. You can't change the other side, the other person in any relationship. Maybe that's why you have so much trouble. It's because you keep trying to change that relationship it's often like a science experiment. You know, as kids, you put, the, you, know, you put the baking soda and the vinegar together. What do you get? Explosion. You put Mentos in the Diet Coke. What do you get? Explosion. You put fire in a gas can together. What do you get? Explosion. You know, for some of you, it's like you put you and your dad together. And what do you get? Explosion. You and your ex-wife. Explosion. You and your teen. Explosion. The only ingredient that you can change in that mix is you. That's the only ingredient you can, you can change. For some, you think, oh, it's always going to be this way. But the decisions that you make today could possibly change the future, and they will affect the future of your relationships now and uh, in, uh, in the future. And so I want to look at three things this morning. Just three. Everybody still here? Three things? 
good. It's not, so you'll know when we get to the third, okay, we're getting close to the end. All right, so um, my question this morning is, in light of your relationships, how are you doing with these three things? Not the other person, because we know they're failing miserably at those three, but how are you doing with these three things? It reminded me of the story of the guy who, um, um, you may have heard it before, but he, uh, he went, this farmer had the salesman come up to his house, and uh, the salesman was talking about some stuff. This little pig comes running out of the barn, just squealing uh, with a smile on his face. And he runs up to the farmer, and he's rubbing the farmer's leg, and the salesman looks down and realizes the pig has three legs and a wooden leg. And so, oh, we have a picture. So he, uh, oh, I have to say, Zane was the one who chose all the pictures last night, so whatever shows up there, I take no uh, responsibility for. So this little pig runs up, and, the, and the, the salesman says, why does that pig have a wooden leg? And the farmer's like, hey, don't you be messing with my pig. He says, that pig, you have no idea how amazing that pig is. Last, last summer, our house caught on fire. and We were sleeping, my wife and I, and that pig ran in and was squealing and squealing, woke us up, saved our lives. And he's like, oh, cool, but why does he have a... Don't be talking about my pig. He's like, even last, just two weeks ago, I was out in the back 40 in the tractor. I went up a hill and it rolled backwards and I had pinned me underneath. And this pig, right here, this pig came running out grabbed me by the collar, dragged me out, gave me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and saved my life. He's like, I- I'm not messing with your pig, but, but why does he have a-, a wooden leg? He says, well, duh, if you had a pig that great, you wouldn't eat them all at once either. <laughs> so this morning, however that makes you feel, I hope that reminds you of this morning's three legs. You know, a three-legged stool is probably a better illustration, but if you see a three-legged stool, they're perfectly balanced. They're the safest chair you can sit on. But if you are missing any one of those legs, the chance of of it uh, staying balanced is much more difficult. And in relationships, it's the same thing. If any one of these three legs that we're going to talk about this morning are missing, it makes it real difficult to keep relationships balanced. And oftentimes, you're going to see strain and hurt in the relationship as a result. So you ready? Number one is the significance. Significance is leg number one. I underlined it. You should probably write it down. All right, got it. Okay, so significance is something that each person, every person is looking for. Whether you realize it that that's what it is or not, there's this kind of this deep need on the inside to know that we matter, to know that, we're, you know that we have value or that we have meaning. You know, what's the meaning in life? What's the purpose in life? There's something deep down inside that that uh, people desire to know. And the majority of people don't feel a deep sense of significance. So they're always on the hunt for what's going to make me feel significant. They feel like there's something missing on the inside. And so they try and find that. They try and find what's missing or they try and achieve it. They try and find stuff that they're like, you know, this is what makes me feel important. It's like, look what I drove into the parking lot today. You drive slowly all the way around, past all kinds of parking spaces, just so that others will see where you, you know, that see you as you go by. Like, oh, is that a new vehicle? Yep paid cash for that, right? And you're like, oh, you know, he's important. Or, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it's, it's other stuff that you buy. Maybe it's the house you're building. Whatever it might be, it's this thought of, I'm doing this so that I can feel significant. Maybe it's not something, a thing. Maybe it's something you try and achieve where it's like, you know, you want to be, you want to have a title or feel important. And I see so often where there's this sense of people trying to be somebody or trying to achieve something for this just to fill this void on the inside of significance. And people have been trying to do it um, since day one, trying to achieve significance, but it cannot be achieved. 
You cannot find it, buy it. You cannot achieve significance. That deep down thing inside that says, I matter. Um, in the, you know, it's been happening since day one. If you, if you know the Bible stories back in the day, Eve reaching for, and I'm not supposed to say apple, it's the unidentified fruit uh, that Eve reached for that day. Um, what, what was she doing? The, the enemy said to her, you'll be more like God if you take this fruit. What is that saying? You'll be more important. Oh, you're right. I'm not that important. I'm not important enough. I need, I need a little bit more. Here's somebody who had it all, but that thing on the inside saying, ah, I just need a little bit more. And we live in a culture where everybody's looking for just a little bit more. And, and at the heart of it is this search for significance. You know, you think about money and fame and title. Uh, some, it's, it's sex. They're just trying whatever they can to find significance. You know, that's, uh, there's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Solomon. Solomon was a king. Solomon was the wealthiest man of his time. He's the most important man of his time. And for our benefits, and, and gratefully so, that he would write things. And he wrote uh, about his life. But Solomon, if just picture this person, what if you knew this person personally? Here's a guy who makes over two billion Canadian a year. You'd want to be his friend, I think. Here he is. He's loaded. He's more famous than, he's got more Instagram likes than Kim Kardashian. You know, he gets more views on YouTube than Despacito, which is like 5.4 billion. You know, he's got more retweets than Ellen. He's like, everybody wants to be around this guy. Uh, he doesn't need the companies that, that say, hey, buy some more likes so you can feel better about you. And that's why those companies exist, because people are like, if I can buy likes... I'll feel more significant. Other people might say, wow, look at all their followers. You know, the, it, the title, you know, seeking to be, to have a title of I want to be the boss or I want to climb the corporate ladder, I want to be the manager, I just want the next promotion. Uh, for some, I, I, I remember in Bible school, everybody wanted to have the title of pastor. They just never wanted to do what, that was, what was required. They just wanted somebody to be able to call them that. Well, Solomon was the CEO of all the businesses that existed at that time. And for some, I, you know, I hear like uh, sitting around a job site with some of the guys and you hear, you hear them talking and they're mentioning all these other guys from another crew who just, who all their, their whole life, all they want to do is bang chicks. I know I'm probably not supposed to say that, but that's, that's their, their kind of their goal in life right now. And it's like that sense of, oh, I'm somebody, you know, I've slept with so many people. Don't you think I'm cool? It's nobody from here. And you, you know, you, you, you think, what is that as a, as a goal in life, a sense of significance? But that Solomon, Solomon, he, he had 700 wives and 300 girlfriends. And I'm like, I don't know what he was thinking. But, but for some, it's this thing of like, I'm just going to try and find that Mr. Right or Miss Right. And somewhere, you know, swiping on Tinder like crazy, trying to find that one person. Um, just a thought for those who may still be single. It's not easy being single right now. But just a thought for you. Um, so often you're looking for the person, that, that Mr. Right, that Miss Right, looking for that person. But my question is, are you the person that they're looking for? Or will you be? Because for some, it's like, it's, Andy Stanley says it perfectly. He says, are you becoming or are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? You know, the way you're living right now, you're like, oh, I just want to party like crazy. And then, but when I get married, I want a good Christian girl. Is that good? You know, or uh, I want to whatever, do live this, but the, I, want, I want a respectable man someday. Are you the person? Are you becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Okay, that one's for free. So here's Solomon. He achieves everything. He achieves everything. He has everything that we might, we'd never have enough money to even find out that we can't buy significance. Here's what he writes at the end of his life. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9. 
The guy who has it all says this, So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. My wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless. It, it didn't give significance. It didn't give meaning. I had everything, but it was like chasing the wind. It was still empty inside. There, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. You know why? Because significance can't be achieve, uh, achieved. It can only be um, received by being believed. I know that all rhymes and hope that works, but it's, it's that idea that by believing who you really are, God's design is that you would know deep down inside of you that you are loved, incredibly loved, that you are one of a kind, that you're unique, that you're an amazing person, that he loves dearly, that you would know that on the inside so you're not looking for it everywhere else. It's the way that God sees you, but do you see yourself that way? As a follower of Jesus, that's how he sees you. I remember years ago, my brother-in-law, Jamie, was sharing at a place, and he shared something that just always stuck with me. He had uh, picked up his daughter, Sierra, and he, she was just looking at him. He's like, what, what, what are you looking at? And he's, she says to him, I see me in your eyes, Dad. I see me in your eyes. She could see her reflection in his pupil. And, you know, that's that thought. He said, you know what? That's the thought that we need to have when it comes to the Lord, that I see me through your eyes. God, I see me the way you see me. Well, how does he see you? Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, well, while you were a sinner, he says, he showed his great love for you. He demonstrated his great love for you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, if somebody's going to die for you, there's, you're, you're incredibly valuable. And if you don't know Christ today, he loves you incredibly. He's like, well, I haven't got it all right. He's like, you know what? Let's just start where you are. Come follow me. We'll, we'll, we, can, we can right the ship. You know, he sees you as his child, he says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14. He brings you into relationship. He sees you as his masterpiece, he says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Do you think you're a masterpiece? People are scared to say, yeah. What do you think about that? You're a masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? It's the artist's finest work. You're looking around like, oh, that's no masterpiece. I can't say names. I wanted to so bad right there. But he's listening, so it's good. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're God's finest creation. And for so many, you walk around, we walk around through life with these thoughts of, oh man, I, if I could just find significance somewhere, if I could just get to the next step, and you lose your life searching for it. But he says, you know what? You're so valuable. You're worth dying for if you would just see who you are. The good news, it brings salvation, but it brings significance if you truly believe the good news. For God so loved for God, he's the one who did it. For so loved the world, not the whole world, you personally. God loves you so much personally that he sent his son to die for us, that whoever trusts in him, not in what I can do or anything that I can do, but I just simply trust in him. What incredible significance comes from that? And he says he pours his love in you so you can just love other people. You don't need them to like you. You don't need pats on the back. Wow, that was a great sermon. I'm not doing this for me. It's the simple thing of doing it for you. The thoughts of having... A husband or a wife who's not just sucking the life out of their spouse of like, you know, you got to make up for all the, the kind of the, the inadequacies in me. It's just simply saying, hey, you're so loved, just go love other people. Being significant. Do you know that you're significant? Are you still searching for significance? And if you are, just know that that's affecting every relationship around you. Number two, authentic. That was a long one. These are the short ones. Being authentic. 
Not just having sense of significance, being authentic. You know, significance is that sense of being right with God. This is, uh, authentic is being right with you. And you've met people like that. I met a guy a couple weeks ago. I know him, but just talking to him, I was this guy is like a straight-up guy. He tells you just the way it is, but there's kindness in the way he tells it. If he's having a good day, he's smiling. If he's having a bad day, he just chooses to smile. And you're like, man, he'll tell you, you know, he'll tell you, hey, it's not great, but it's so, this is what I'm doing. He still, he doesn't take it out on you. I'm like, that's the kind of person I want to be around. I'm just like, I, if I didn't have a job, I'd want to go work for that guy. I just like that type of thing. And you know that. If you've met them, you know what that's like. But my question is, can you be you? Can you simply be you? Are you okay, comfortable in your own skin because you're the only you that you can be? Or is there that thought of, no, I'm trying to be other, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to find out who I really am. Uh, I know there's always that saying of people going to try and find themselves. Uh, my brother, I, I shared this story before. My brother, um, he went to China years ago because he wanted to find himself. And he got there, and then he lost his wallet. And so he couldn't even, we had to try and get him to come home. So we just always bug him. You went to find yourself and lost your identity in the process. Um, but he, um, we, we, we realized this thing that wherever you go, there you are. You know, it's trying to find another place or find a fresh start or whatever. But wherever you go, there you are. And there's so many people that just, they just don't like themselves. They just don't like um, who they are, and they try to become someone else. Just reading this week about the way plastic surgery is changing. People have been spending billions on plastic surgery every year to look like famous people or to look more like famous people. And now they said it's changing um, dramatically is that uh, what's changed is this thing called Snapchat. The filters on Snapchat are making you see the best version of you, and you're falling in love with that version. Like, now how can I have that? And so there's all kinds of surgery being done now to just make people more like, like themselves, but this better version of them, this better looking version of them. And it's something that they're really concerned is, is going to be, uh, you know, an epidemic type thing going forward. But what does it say? Miserable. Uh, there's people miserable on the inside, not happy with who they really are. And maybe that's you. Maybe there's reasons. And, and you know, maybe there's reasons why it's like, ah, I just don't feel like I can just be who I am. Maybe it's things you, you've heard. Maybe people said, you know, you're fat. You're ugly. You're stupid. And those words have rung true. I remember growing up and people would say, you know, they told me, hey, Mark, the way you got freckles is because you stood behind a screen and they threw manure at you. Hey, you laugh. Oh, Nelly. I'm just kidding. It, it's true. You know, and it hurt until I realized that it wasn't actually true. That was just a couple years ago. But maybe you're not sure why you feel the way you do. Maybe it's been, you were bullied. Maybe there's... Um, failed marriages or broken families or things that just make you feel like, ah, I'm just not sure of who I am. But not being authentic, not just being who you are, knowing that people can love you just for who you are will affect relationships in a big way. Being authentic is being willing to admit that you have weaknesses. Healthy people don't pretend that they have it all together. That's a tough one. Healthy people don't pretend that they have it all together. And when they're able to share that they've got weaknesses, it's like weight gets lifted. It's like, okay, I can just be who I am, and, and that's, that's okay. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote these words and said to the followers of Christ, he said this, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. Confess those to people you trust and pray then for one another. Not confess and then go tell. Confess and pray for one another that you might be healed, that you might be restored to a spiritual tone 
of mind and heart. That, that thing of that, that wholeness on the inside. He says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. That's dynamic and it's working. This idea of sharing your faults with one another and praying for one another changes people, changes you. You know, being aware and being willing to share those things, becoming aware of your blind spots. Being authentic means becoming aware of your blind spots. I had an unfortunate experience two weeks ago. I was at the job site, and it was the day that the most crews were there working on my house, and they were all, like, smiling at me, and so it was, it was good. And I, we're just, I was there for probably a couple hours, and then I went back to the house because I had to go to town to pick something up. As I'm going to the house, I leave the house, and Angie and my mother-in-law, Liz, are there, and they're, they're laughing at me, and I'm, I turn around, I'm like, what? And they're like, they're like, you don't know? I'm like, no, I don't. What do you mean? What, what do you, what, I don't know anything. She's like, your pants. I'm like, my pants. I'm like, is there like a brown streak or like what, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? And they're like, they start laughing. They're like, look at your pants. And so from the belt down to the line here was a big rip. And my blind side was exposed to all the members of the job site who, uh, they're like, you just be glad you wore underwear today. I'm, and I'm like, man, those guys, none of them are my true friends. My true friends are the ones who would tell me because I was on my way to town and they would just let me go, right? But, <laughs> but uh, you should have friends in your life who will tell you and who can show you your blind spots. You know, there's the movie The Blind Side and at the beginning of the movie, uh, it's, it's that the, they just um, explain how Joe Theismann is uh, playing football, and as he, as he gets uh, hit by Lawrence Taylor, his leg gets broken, and, and what has happened, he didn't, he didn't see him coming. And so, yeah, it's kind of funny if, you know, I went to town with my pants that way, but it's not funny when things can totally destroy your life. And all of us have these areas in our life, these blind spots, that we need others to be in there, and it requires us to be authentic. Your close relationships can and should tell you about the blind spots that they see uh, in you, because we're blind to things. We're blind to things like our selfishness, you know, it's never fun to hear someone tell you, hey, you're, you know, you're acting selfish or you're being selfish. But we need to hear it and we need to die to it. You know, Paul said to the Philippian followers in, in Philippians 2 verse 4, he said, you know, have the same attitude that Christ had. Don't just be interested in you. Be interested in what others are interested in. It's not all about you, but we can become blind to that. We can become blind to our ego, you know, that, that it's all about us. It's all about me. Every conversation you have, and just listen to the conversations you have with people. Listen to them, but then listen to you. Is it you're just like listening to them so you can say, oh, wait, but I got a better story. Oh, but this one, you know, but oh, yeah, that happened. But this happened to me. I've been to funerals before where there's been people here who didn't even know the person who died were crying way more at the end. and like, oh, it's terrible for me. I'm like, how'd you know them? I didn't, but I think they went to my school. And it's like, it's like it, this is not all about you. Self-awareness. Sometimes we become blind to the fact of how we come across to others. Um, I, you know, having that, that foot and mouth disease of where you say things that you, you probably shouldn't. And I, I, because I talk a lot, I have that a lot. You know, and my wife is so good at just letting me know, yeah, you probably should never say that again. You know, or and we'd have people coming over and she's like, okay, so we're going to have a meeting before the people come over. And I'm going to remind you of all the things that you said last time to them. And you're not going to say this time, right? Man, I'm so blessed to have her. But blind to it. Blind to the fact that you're too easily offended. So, so often you can become, you know, you misjudge other people's intentions. They say something and you're just like, what? And you leave church. You know, and you're like, I'll go find another church to be, be part of. Or, you know, it's, it's things that um, there's unrealistic expectations that you have of people and you think this is what it should be and somebody has to say, hey, that's a, that's a blind spot. You know, or there's undeserved anger or negativity or shame or worry that people just can, can see, but you can't. 
You know, those are, those are tough, but it's almost like having like a sunburn and somebody comes up and says, hey, buddy, how are you? Like, oh, why did you do that? It's like they didn't do anything, but it's because you're so, you know, so sensitive to things that you just get easily offended and your relationships are suffering. It's not just blind to weaknesses. Sometimes you're blind to strengths. You know, you're doing things you're not good at and somebody just needs to tell you, hey, you should probably be doing this because you're way better at that. Having people that can help you see things like that. And so finally on this thought, don't let a bruise kill you. Don't let a bruise kill you. If somebody comes up to you and has the guts to say, hey, this is, man, I see you going down a path that I don't think you're going to like down the end. And they have the guts to tell you and say, hey, I see you probably don't want to treat your children like that. You probably should think about, you know, the way you're talking to your wife or talking about her is going to affect you down the road. I remember my brother-in-law came and told me once, you know, they're saying, hey, you're too hard on your kids. Like I said before, it was Ronnie, so I just wanted to key his car, you know. But, but uh, I'm thankful now. I'm thankful now that, that he stepped in and said that. It wasn't easy to hear that, but it's something that's so, so important. So my challenge, how how you doing with just being authentic with people? A f- bunch of uh, friends of mine, we got together, and we were just saying, you know, we used to have this guys group that met together. And I'm like, man, we've tried to recreate that group with other people. It just never works. Why? But there was something about just being genuine with people that you could trust and that they could be genuine with you, and we need those in our lives by being authentic, by having significance. And the last one is this, having selfless giving kind of love. How's, that, how's the leg of selfless giving kind of love, being right with other people? See, Jesus' greatest command to us was, his really his only command, love other people the way I love you. And that's not feel loving feelings towards everyone, because you're not gonna. It's do loving things to other people. Do things that are loving. See, we, we think of love so often in how it makes us feel. And it, it becomes selfish-based things. We, we love people that love us in return, and it gets difficult, and well, we don't love them so much. We love money because of what, how it can make us feel. We love ice cream because of how it makes us feel. We love all kinds of things, and, and it's, it's about how it makes us feel. But Jesus said, you know what? Love doesn't always feel good. You know, for God so loved the world that it didn't feel very good. And that's something that he's saying for us. You know, when, when you love other people, it's the things that you do. See, we've been designed to receive love, and that's where significance comes from, receiving it from him, but we've been designed to give love as well. That's the other part in the, in the relationships is that's the other leg of giving love to others. And until we have significance and authenticity figured out, this one's a little bit more difficult. We're so searching for love all the time that we forget that there's others searching for it as well that we can be giving towards that. There's a professor who had an experiment with his class. He gave them two assignments over two weeks. The first week, he says, I want you to go and do what you most enjoy in life. If it's eating, go to the best restaurant. If it's golf, go to the best golf course. So just go do the best to the, to the limit of the thing that you enjoy the most. And then I want you to write a report on it. And the second week after that, he sent them out and said, okay, now I want you to go and find somebody uh, and do something for them, something you do not enjoy, something you don't share the enjoyment, but go do something to make their, um, their greatest joy come true. And he says, then write a report on that. How did it make you feel? And the majority of the class afterwards said it was the second week that actually brought them more joy than the first. It's why going on a mission trip changes the people who went more than the people that they went to help. It's like this thing of saying, you know, going to, to do something for someone else it's incredible. Why is that? We've been wired that way. It's the way Jesus lived. He was moved with compassion for people, it says in Mark 14. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know, it says uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, he describes, love is described by Paul by being like patient and kind and all of these things. Uh, and it's, it's why everyone wanted to be around Jesus. Why? Because he was giving out love all the time. And it's why he gave his life when no one else, you know, stayed with him. 
So the question on this this morning is this, what have I done for someone lately? What have I done for someone today? I know it's early. What have, what have you done for someone else today? Sat here and I listened to you. What have I done for someone else today? Last, yesterday, I've, I've pulled this muscle in my neck, so if you see me walking funny, that's why. But um, yesterday, I just realized, it, uh, as I was at home, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I have not done anything to help Beth at all today, and I, I felt badly about it. And so I went to her right, you know, it's before service. I was like, hon, I'm sorry. I've been kind of useless today, and I want to apologize. And she's like, it's okay. I'm used to it. And I was like, What? <laughs> Sometimes those wake-up calls are like, oh, you know, but I realize, what, what have I done? And, you know, a great question to ask is, hey, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? It's such a simple thing um, to, to ask where, and it allows people to know that, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. It's healthy to ask yourself every day. You know, I, I, oftentimes when marriages end, I, I end up speaking with uh, people who are, you know, the husband and the wife. And you know what I hear so often? They say, oh, I just need to go do, it's, it's just time for me to go do something for me. I just have to take care of me. That's why I'm doing this. I need to, you know what, it's that thought that causes relationships to fail. You know, if you're in a relationship where both sides are like, hey, what can I do to help you? Man, there's no greater relationship to be in than that. So question this morning, are you struggling in relationships? Do you have some that as we've talked today, it's like that person's face came to mind? You're thinking about some of those things? My question for you this morning is how are your three legs? How are the legs of significance, authenticity, and selfless giving love in your life? How are you doing with those things? Significance, let me just leave you with these three thoughts. Significance comes only from knowing who you are in God. Significance comes from seeing you the way he sees you. That's something you need to work out with him. Being authentic comes from being who God created you to be. So that thing of saying, this is God, this is who I am. You've designed me to be this way. Help me to live this to the, to the max because I'm the only one of me there is. You know, help me to live out who you've created me to be. And third, the selfless giving love comes from choosing to love like Christ. All three of these things are tied to him. And so this morning, you know, as you look in the mirror and say, ah, you know what, I, I probably could work on a few of these things, these areas. It's not going to guarantee that all your relationships are going to get better. I wish it would but there's another person in that relationship. It creates the opportunity, though, for every relationship that you're in to become better, no matter where it may be. And it gives the opportunity for people to see Jesus in you and through you. So this morning, you know, as we pray, I, just, I would ask you to just, to, to, in your heart, in your mind, to, to pray and say, God, would you do in me what needs to be done today? Help me to see and to, to live out and to allow you to change these things in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance to be a part of relationships and to enjoy them. Uh, Lord, thank you for the relationship that you've brought us into with you. Oh, it's a, just incredible that all we need is found in you. Lord, this morning, um, we're all coming from different places, different walks of life, different experiences. But you know all that. Lord, you know what each and every one of us needed to hear this morning. You know what each and every one of us needs to do this morning. So, Holy Spirit, would, would you do what I can? Would you translate this into each individual's uh, situation? Father, I pray that as we live our lives connected to you, that that would affect the way we treat others, the way we see ourselves, and just uh, the, the way we respond to you. Thank you for uh, the chance to be a light that shines this week. May others see you through us. 
It's in your awesome and wonderful name I pray. Amen.